stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me uh, yet again on this, our final day of this week-long series. Of course, we've talked all week about uh, the mental health of our frontline workers, uh, trying to draw parallels from our military service members to uh, ways that our firefighters, our police officers, our paramedics, our doctors, our nurses, our other frontline staff at the hospitals and health clinics can reach out to get help if they are struggling. And that's, in a sense, how we'll sum it up this week. Uh, We are going to be speaking today with a representative from the Calgary Fire Department, Scott Cowan. Uh, He's a fire captain with the CFD. Get his take on uh, some of the difficulties that firefighters, uh, not only through their careers, face, but how some of that may be amplified as well here during COVID. Um, But we'll dive right in first with our guest, uh, our first guest that's going to join us, Laura Zarka. She's a a former paramedic here in Calgary. Uh, She's been very open about the impact that um, that career has had on her mental health. She is the founder of the Code 15 Project. Laura, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, I have, I've actually been following you for some time on on social media. And so, uh, you know, as we'll say, social media doesn't paint the whole picture of a person's life. Uh, mm-hmm. But as as my takeaway is that you have left um, a career I- as a paramedic. Is that correct? I did, yes. I, I medically retired uh, a year ago in December, actually. And, and that sort of unfolded from, you know, obviously the career. And we'll get into um, what may have led up to that point, because I know you're mm-hmm. very comfortable about being out- outspoken with the, with your experiences. But you were on leave, uh, a mental health leave uh, at that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So I booked off in 2018 um, and was subsequently diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so I received a year of treatment and actually returned to work um, as a paramedic. And then ultimately, after about four months, I relapsed and ended up leaving my position permanently. What did your relapse look like? It was definitely different from the original injury because I'd had so much treatment, so I was definitely more aware of what was happening, but it just became apparent on calls that I still had symptoms of PTSD and um, I wasn't functioning at the capacity I needed to to provide the best care possible. So I was starting to have you know flashbacks and resorting back to um, maladaptive behaviors that I had picked up over the years uh, to cope. So it was definitely just kind of a, a repeat. <laughs> Would it slow you down on the job as well when you say you weren't at, uh, I guess as you're saying there, to sum it up 100% um, when you'd have those those flashbacks? You know, and from my lens, it definitely, I felt slower. Like I felt like my executive decision-making capabilities were, were lacking. But, mm. you know, when I asked partners and stuff, they said I was still performing at the level that they expected. But you know, we're all always our own worst critics. So I definitely could feel the effects of it at, at work, for sure. But you knew you were off yes. for a second yeah. time. Yes. Well, let's go back to the first time then there in uh, when you first left, uh, you took that uh, health leave. Mm-hmm. Leading up to that point, how long did it take you to get the courage to it, say, I've got to take a leave? It, it took several years. It took mm-hmm. several years of, of suffering, which I think is pretty common. Um, and it really honestly took kind of 
everyone says the straw that broke the camel's back. It's with PTSD and first responders, it's often complex. We have multiple yeah. index events leading to it, right? So for me, it wasn't, you know, everybody expects me to have some big, huge call that, that sent me over the edge, but that's actually not what happened. It was just multiple factors adding up to the diagnosis. And I noticed my temperament was definitely not the same. I was checked out at home. I just was not myself. There was a lot of huge red flags, but it takes so long to get to a point when you finally realize you can't go on anymore. And thankfully for me, there were coworkers and friends of mine that stepped in as well and said that I needed to get help. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a big thing to maybe Mm -hmm. double back and say again, thankfully... There were yeah. friends and coworkers that helped you recognize what was going on because I think uh, that's part of the goal here for those that are listening, and maybe they've got you know a paramedic in their life or a doctor in their life, a nurse, a police officer, and they know something's just off, and it's week by week, month by month, right, Laura? Like mm-hmm. it's off, and it's off, yeah. and they're taking on new habits that are strange habits, and those are ways of coping with operational stress injuries, but. Uh, I think it's a good chance for us to say a, a sort of a shout out to those folks um, surrounding and hugging these frontline workers. Mm-hmm. Um, trust your instinct when you think something's off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if you're seeing something different, you're you're not wrong. Right. So yeah, tell us about uh, the Code 15 project. What is that all about? Yeah, so I mean, Code 15, I started uh, back in 2019, and it was just kind of this like grassroots initiative thing that I thought of during my injury. And I just wanted to provide a safe place for you know, some mental health awareness and first responders. And since then, it's really blossomed into like we provide peer support and we are like a resource hub. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been really thrilled to take part in some fundraising efforts as well. So primarily, we provide peer support, but it's also just this amazing safe space for first responders to share and speak openly. This quiet forum, they can reach out to you and your partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get the help they need, or, or they can just get a little something off their off their chest. It isn't about going to therapy right away. It's just uh, yeah. your group is colleagues who have once been there as well. Yeah, you're not alone at all. And as you, I would imagine, are still connected to some colleagues from your years Mm -hmm. as a paramedic. What are you hearing from them in light of COVID? How has sort of the stress, I mean, we've heard it all. We heard Mm -hmm. it just in this last week, the calls for why are paramedics not uh, higher up in in line to get the vaccine? And so uh, the picture was painted. You're in the back of an ambulance and the the space is tight. What are you hearing from your, your colleagues about how much more difficult that job is? in these days? I think with EMS, um, specifically with paramedicine, uh, we suffer a lot from moral injuries as paramedics. And a lot of people uh, associate us with trauma. You know, the, the general public and people who maybe aren't educated on it assume, you know, we see blood and gore all day, every day. Um, but the reality of it is, is we are dealing with moral injuries within our workplace. So you talked about COVID. COVID is just I hate to say this, but kind of the cherry on top of a lot of other issues that EMS is facing. We have long response times, lack of resources, extended hallway waits. We have these occupational stresses that crews are dealing with. And then you add in things like not being on the first phase of the vaccination was a huge blow to them. It really spoke to the ground crews and the people with their boots on the ground that maybe they just aren't as important as they really are. So I think that compounds to them um, that the sanctuary trauma that they're facing within their organizations is just being put in their face on top of the regular duties that they're facing, the regular stress of their job. 
So it's it's a lot, and and morale is low, and the stress is high. It's definitely not easy working front lines right now. You you've painted. Um, I don't want to use the word wonderful. Um, <laughs> you've painted a uh, you you painted a really great picture for us to mm-hmm. to rely on here. In that uh, the takeaway from what you said, really the paramedics. Uh, we can talk about all of our frontline workers and all of the different scenarios they face. And it's almost like, you know, EMS has its hand in every one of those situations. If it's a fire call, whether there's the EMS. If it's a police call, someone gets injured, the EMS is coming. Um, You're then on the other end of it, you know, as you said, like you you talk about wait times. You're there hanging out, um, processing the handover uh, to hospital admin and nurses. You've got your hand in everything as a paramedic. Yes. Yep. And I should really emphasize the handover. What I think a lot of people maybe aren't aware is that handover can be several hours in the ER, sometimes up to an entire shift. So as a paramedic, we are specialized and highly trained in pre-hospital care. And sitting in a hallway with a patient is not an ideal situation. And that really challenges your paramedic's moral compass in those moments. Of they know what needs to be done. They are aware of what care that patient needs, whether it's you know going to XYZ unit or being in an OR. Paramedics are staring this down and, and really being that middleman, like you said, in all of these scenarios. And they might not always be well-equipped for those scenarios. I've watched uh, middleman type scenarios in just your everyday industry and business and I I, I wouldn't put my hand up as saying that's a fun job so I know uh, to make light of it all but when you say it like that yeah that that is definitely a, a difficult situation um, and you mentioned what we talked about earlier this week and so I want to highlight again uh, what we did talk about earlier this week moralinjuryguide.ca and uh, for all of our frontline workers and friends and family listening, it, it seems to also be a really great resource that has popped up in light of COVID. But that is something that has uh, come on as a new term for me that I've learned this week, this moral injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really about that decision making. You're hang- Like you say, you're hanging out in the hallway. You know how mm-hmm. that patient needs to be treated. You can't rush that end along. I think you're also being tugged that you want to get out on the next call mm-hmm. and, and be back out on the street and helping folks. It's uh, Yeah. It's not an easy job. No, it's not. Laura, um, Code 15 Project, the website is code15project.com. Yeah. That's the best way for folks to reach out if they're uh, if they're looking to, to speak or get advice. I mean, a lot of stuff on that website, it's right there. It's a great resource for folks. Yes, and they can reach out to us on Instagram as well. We're pretty responsive, so we can provide um, as much resources as we possibly can, and we're always there. I think before we leave you, I want to ask you one more thing. Sure. What can people do? Uh, it sounds like, and you know, you've left you've left the industry, and I think mm-hmm. you might be a little more outspoken here, uh, mm-hmm. and have the freedom to do that. What can people do? What could you say to motivate those listening um, to say there has there obviously has to be more done? There are more programs that should be in place, or or ways that we can assist our, our EMS, our, our paramedics. I think it's really important, you know, whether it's the general public listening or even if you're a friend or a family member of a first responder, that that these are important jobs. We have to protect the people doing them. Um, These are not just people wearing a uniform. They're people, they're members of your community. They're your neighbors. um, They're in your grocery stores. We have to protect them. 
And the paramedics in your community, they want to provide you and their patients the best care possible. So as the public, you know, they need to support positive working conditions that can be provided to paramedics that allow them to continue to safely provide that high quality of pre-hospital care. And so it's just important to continue to have these conversations, to educate yourselves, and to just continue to raise awareness that mental health and first responders is very, very, very important and critical to their livelihood. That is a great message moving forward, uh, months, years to come, as we, uh, you know, continue to evolve how we how we operate here in Alberta. Uh, yeah. Laura, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. For uh, that's Laura Zarka, former paramedic here in Calgary. My name is Jordan Witzel. Uh, just after the break, we'll be joined by Calgary Fire Department Fire Captain Scott Cowan. You're listening to Mental Health on the Front Lines on 770 CHQR. There was a collision eastbound Glenmore Trail before 14th Street in the southwest. Looks like it cleared a short while ago, but I am still seeing delays between 5 and 10 minutes through the area. Get your tickets today for the Stars Lottery, the lottery on a mission. With over $4.8 million in prizes, tickets available at starslottery.ca. For the 770-CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Phil Jensen. Thanks for sticking with us here. Uh, We are now joined... Uh, by uh, joined with uh, Fire Captain Scott Cowan. He's uh, with the Calgary Fire Department. And uh, just want to dive a little bit further into um, some of the parallels, you know, uh, paramedics and firefighters uh, sort of hand in everything in their response and what they're seeing. Scott, thank you for joining us today. You betcha. Happy to be here. I think Laura really opened up our eyes before the break on just, you know, the wide variety of duties that paramedics are facing, um, the the weight that comes with that. And in a similar way, am I wrong, firefighters, you know, they're kind of there for everything. Yeah, much like uh, police and EMS, you know, we're obviously involved in a lot of the same situations. And many of those situations are, are uh, difficult. Um you know, firefighters, similar to EMS, we're, we're responding to car accidents, obviously fires, which is pretty obvious, uh, other disasters. Um, there's just lots of things that, uh, that can take a heavy toll on, on your mind. Um, you know, the things that, that uh, maybe an average person would see or experience once or twice in their lifetime, um, police, EMS, and firefighters, and dispatchers, and others are experiencing numerous times in a day. Right, and, and that uh, repetitiveness is just uh, uh, destroying. Yeah, Absolutely yeah, crushing. So, so obviously, you know, we build up some uh, resiliency to those things because we see them so often and things like that. But at the same time, it does take a toll eventually. And I think you and mentioned mentioned it, and Laura mentioned it. The moral injuries uh, that's coming becoming more and more well-known um, as an issue. And those are obviously the most difficult ones, I think, where uh, you're dealing with uh, drunk drivers or things that involve um, people that are innocent or children. Um, those those are often the most difficult calls. We're not sitting here saying, let's change how we accomplish any of this. Firefighting, paramedics, uh, police officers, nursing it's all going to look much the same. It always has. It is the nature of the business. You're, if you're um, entering employment in these industries, you're going to see this and you know that. Uh, but I think, as our, our police chief said on Monday, it is about getting ahead of that, being prepared for what is coming down the tube. Uh, what is, what's going on with the fire department? What are we doing right? What could we do better from the, you know, from your perspective as a fire captain here in Calgary? 
I think we're doing lots of things really, really well. There's always room for improvement, and it's kind of a, um, an evolving um, an evolving science, and there's lots of research starting to come out now that are helping us to understand things better than we have in the past. You know, uh, historically, we didn't understand mental wellness. Um, if we did understand it a little bit, we pushed it down, and, and uh, you know, there's a pretty big stigma, and there still is a, a stigma around mental, mental health and mental wellness. And, uh, you know, so that, that's something that we have to work all the time to, uh, to change. But there are some things that, uh, certainly in Calgary, I think we're, we're heading on the right track. And, uh, like you said, you know, we, we can't change the fact that, that bad things are going to happen and that we're going to experience those bad things, but we can change, um, how we look at those things and the stigma. You know, some of the things that we're doing in Calgary, uh, in our recruit training when, when new firefighters are hired, we run a program uh, called Road to Mental Readiness and, um, you know, talks about the stigma and how to reduce that, gives some kind of um, uh, signs to look out for, um, and just how to process things a little bit better. Um, once firefighters are working on the fire department, we have a, a program called the Resilient Responder Program, and, uh, and it's the same type of thing, just kind of reiterates different mental health challenges, the things we can do to build our resilience to those things. Um, we then have a leaders program for that as well that, that helps equip our leaders to identify um, uh, issues in, in the, the members and, and support them through those things. And then we have a family program as well. Um, one of the things that, that is so important is if a member, a firefighter, has a, a supportive and understanding family and friends and, and connections, um, they're going to be more resilient. To, uh, to the hardships that come their way. And so it's really important to have uh, a family program as well. I think you've underlined exactly what Laura shared with us earlier in the show. That's just it. She got all that support from her friends and her family. They recognized what was going on. Uh, and while it, it, some things will just hit some folks and it's going to see their mental health deteriorate, uh, there are programs in place, at least. Uh, I think what you're summing up is that the Calgary Fire Department is at least trying to aim at shortening or, or um, reducing the amount of time before a member says, yeah, I've got to take a leave or I really need help here. Because as we're saying, we're not changing the way a firefighting takes place. It's going to be difficult. It's how do we assist those members. Uh, Scott, yeah, thank, exactly thank you so it. much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, we're going to run. I've got so many more things I could talk to you about, uh, but I really do appreciate the time uh, that you've taken here on a Friday afternoon with us. Scott Cowan with you the betcha. Fire Department. Thank you. I want to, uh, unfortunately, cut short just a minute here to sum this week up uh, by reiterating some of the resources that are out there outside of your employment programs if you are a frontline worker. The Code 15 Project, code15project.com, the mission statement to help first responders deal with psychological injuries. It's a hub for mental health resources. There's a fundraiser opportunity there with Code 15 Project, and it provides group support systems so that you know you're not alone. Probably a good way to guide a loved one if you're looking out for them. Moralinjuryguide.ca. It was a guide developed to better understand the range of moral emotions arising from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Not exclusive to doctors and nurses, but there's great information there for the medical community. Uh, The Distress Center here in Calgary. I'm looking for the number here. Is 403-266-HELP. 
866-HELP. That's the Distress Center here in Calgary. And lastly, CanPractice.com. They're doing great work. I love them. Equine-assisted therapy for operational stress injuries. They're opening up their programs beyond veterans and police officers. If you're a doctor, a nurse, a paramedic, a firefighter, and you want to get in there and hang around some horses to help your therapy along, get in touch with CanPraxis.com. If you're looking for a great organization to donate to, CanPraxis could use your help. Everything is provided free to those that take part in their program. Thanks for listening all week long. A difficult topic, a topic that needs to continue to be talked about. You've been listening to Mental Health on the Front Lines. I'm Jordan Witzel on 770 CHQR. Coming up, the Daily Provincial Briefing from Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.